Psalm 115. Let's read it and then we'll pray and we'll jump in. Not to us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in the heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter throughout their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this evening, we do come boldly before you in Christ alone. We add our voice to the psalmist here and to bless the Lord. Not to us, Lord, but to you belongs the glory, the honor, and the worship. For you alone are worthy. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that even this evening as we look at this psalm, that your spirit would work through your word, that you would encourage our weary hearts, comfort our hurting souls, challenge us where we are weak, change us for your glory. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 115, as one commentator said, uh, put it, is a hymn urging God's people to trust and worship the Lord alone, reminding them that he alone is worthy of their deepest loyalty. It seems likely from the context, and, and we don't know for sure, but it seems likely that this was a psalm that was added to the liturgy of Israel Later on, as they return from captivity, likely at the dedication of the second temple, this was added to their worship at that time. There's language here uh, that would suggest that, even as you work your way through this, you see not only a call for Israel to worship, not only a call for um, the house of Aaron to worship, but even a call for all of you who fear the Lord. Some would take that as an, an invitation to those who are not Jews who have believed something that you see a lot more following the return from captivity. Uh, And so this is a a, a psalm 
An invitation to worship the Lord and to worship Him alone. And it starts off in verse 1 with this cry, really this confession, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. To your name be the glory. Not to us. We don't deserve this. There's a a submission there, a humility there. And really, is that not what worship is? Worship is a submission to God, a humility confessing that I am not worthy, that I am not great, but you are. That's what we see here. Not to us, Lord. I know my heart. Uh, We know ourselves. We don't deserve any of the glory. To your name. It's God alone who deserves glory. But what is glory? What do we mean when we say that? To your name give glory. The idea of glory is honor. To recognize the greatness of God. To draw attention to him. Really to praise him. To turn everyone's eyes to look at our God. Look who he is. Look what he has done. It's taking eyes off of me and putting all that to Jesus Christ, to God. Look what he has done for us in Christ. As we would say. To your name be the glory. You deserve all the attention, all the praise, all the honor. Why? Because of your mercy And because of your truth. The idea there of mercy is kindness or love, faithful love. It is an undeserved and yet a faithful love of God. God deserves the glory because of his undeserved yet faithful love that he displays. Because of your truth, his faithfulness to his word. It is his love that does not falter and it is his truth that does not change. He's a faithful God, faithful in what he says and faithful in his love for us. How unfaithful are we in our love for God? How unfaithful are we even in the truth? But our God is faithful. He is kind He is loving. He is truthful. Another thing you see here in verse 2 is a taunt from the Gentiles, from the nations around Israel. And this taunt is, where is their God? What you have here is the nations around Israel foolishly and really ignorantly mocking Israel and mocking her God whenever calamity strikes. You have to put yourself and view the world as these nations around Israel would. Their worldview. They believe that when things go well, it's because their God is doing it. When things don't go well, it's because maybe a stronger God has moved in and moved him out of the way. When our army wins, it's because our God is with us. But when our army loses, it's because that other nation's God is stronger than our God. And so these nations surrounding Israel, they look at Israel, and when they see calamity strike, when they see Israel driven into captivity, when they see the temple destroyed or or whatever it may be, 
This is the mocking that they throw towards Israel. Where is your God? Does he not care? And yet I say it is a foolish and an ignorant mock because the people of God understand. Verse 3. The nations might mock, but this is what we know, that our God is in the heavens. He is in majesty and power, ruling from the heavens. He has not turned his head. He's not ignored us. Instead, he is doing whatever he pleases. That's what these other nations fail to recognize. Even as Hebrews tells us that that even the discipline of God is in the plan of God for our good. There's a recognition here that God does not answer to us. We answer to God. And what often from our perspective is chaos or calamity is from God's perspective purposeful and good. He knows exactly what he is doing. I've used the illustration before of when the boys, the twins, were little and we'd get in the car to drive somewhere and they were just, they they did not trust our driving. And so we'd get in the car and we'd pull out and if we're going to grandma's house, normally we go out of our driveway and we turn left and we go that way. But if we had to run errands first, we'd get out and we'd go right. You'd go to the gas station and the high V or wherever else you're going and, and the whole time they're sitting in the back looking out the windows and they're saying, Dad, we're going the wrong way. Dad, we're lost. Right? Because they're from their limited perspective, sitting in the back of the car, from those little tiny windows in the back of the car, we're not going the way they expected us to go. And I haven't made them aware of all the plans that we have to do before we go to Granite's house. I didn't sit them down and say, all right, guys, now before we leave the house, we're going to get gas. And we're going to do that by going this way. And then we're going to go this way to stop by the store. And then, on the way out, we're going to get ice cream or whatever it is. And then we'll go to Grandma's house. I haven't told them all that. They just have to ride in the back and trust me that I know what we're doing. We're not lost. At all points, I know exactly where we are and where we're going. Brothers and sisters, is it not that that way often with God? We sit in the back, and from our limited perspective, we have no idea where God is taking us and what he's doing. But he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows the end. And there is no threat, no possibility that we will not get there because he does whatever he pleases. Whatever he pleases. That's a statement there on God's power. He does whatever he pleases because there is nothing and no one that can keep him from doing what he pleases. There is no limit to his power. And praise the Lord that there is also no limit to his goodness. So let the nations mock, where is your God? They don't need to understand. Because what I know, what I know is that my God is in the heavens. And that he does whatever he pleases. In fact, in verses 4 to 8, the psalmist here shows how silly it is that these nations mock Israel and Israel's God. Because your gods are made with hands. 
Your idols are silver and gold. They're the work of men's hands. They have mouths that you've carved, but they don't speak. They have eyes that you've carved into them, but they do not see. They have ears that you've carved, but they do not hear. Noses, but they don't smell. Hands, but they, they can't do anything. Feet, but they can't go anywhere. They make no noises. They can't do anything. In fact, you who made them, you're, you're no different than they are. You made them in your image. And everyone who trusts them is no different than they are. And yet you're putting your trust in that. Our God, he's in the heavens. And he does whatever he pleases. So then verses 9 and following, a call to steadfast faith. Therefore, O Israel, you who worship God, see his greatness. Don't, don't worry about what the nations are saying. Don't worry about what you don't understand. Know this, that your God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Therefore, O Israel, trust in the Lord. Notice it doesn't say, therefore, O Israel, seek to understand what the Lord is doing. It just says, trust him. You don't have to understand. You don't have to see. You don't have to know. Just trust him. And for those who trust him, O Israel, he is their help and shield. Now, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Specifically here, the house of Aaron is calling out the priests. It is those who lead the people in worship. So lead them to worship the Lord. It's as if I was saying, O church, Altoona Regular Baptist Church, trust the Lord. But then I zoom in a little bit. You Sunday school teachers, you children's workers, pastors, let us trust the Lord. And then an even more broad call, you who fear the Lord, everyone who is under the sound of my voice, trust the Lord. There's a, a progression there. Generally, all Israel, specifically you who lead in worship, lead them to worship and to trust the Lord. And then everyone else, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And notice that the promise is the same. In verse 9 to Israel, in verse 10 to the house of Aaron, and in verse 11 to just those who generally fear the Lord. The promise is the same. He is their help and their shield. What a sweet verse is verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He sees you. The Lord remembers his own. He remembers the covenants that he has made. He's not forgotten. He's not moved past that. He's not overlooked it. He remembers it. And he will bless us as he promised. He will do exactly what he has said. In fact, he goes on here. These three groups of people, Israel, house of Aaron, you who fear the Lord. 
in case maybe you think, well, that doesn't apply to me, he makes it very clear. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Both small and great. The Lord is just as faithful to the powerless as he is to the powerful. Sometimes that's hard to believe, is it not? You see someone who's doing great things for the Lord out front where everyone is congratulating them. Man, if only I had his ministry. The Lord has really blessed him or her. Brothers and sisters, you serve the same God. You have that same blessing. Be faithful where the Lord has called you to. Because he will bless bless both small and great. We have a prayer here. Prayer of blessing in verses 15, 14 and 15. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children, and the next generation moving on. May you be blessed by the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. And what is the key to receiving this blessing? Here's what we see in verses 9 through 13. It is trusting the Lord. Those who trust the Lord, he will bless. O house of Israel, house of Aaron, those who fear the Lord. There's a promise in this psalm to these people. Verse 16, flowing right out of verses 15, where it said, The Lord made heaven and earth. He is creator, he is ruler. Then verse 16, the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's. And the highest heaven, this is where he dwells. But the earth he has given to the children of men, where we dwell. Looking even to the creation mandate to rule and to subdue creation, as we see in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. The Lord created the earth, but he has called us to rule over, to subdue, to care for creation. Verse 17 and 18, a call to praise the Lord then. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Really the idea there is, once you die, there's no more praising the Lord in the congregation anymore. There's no more telling your friends what God has done or your neighbor. So while you have breath, praise the Lord. We will bless the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Now, the psalmist here in verse 17, he's not denying that we will praise the Lord in eternity. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking specifically about among the congregation, among the people. Your opportunity to praise the Lord is now. So bless the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Praise the Lord. It's a call to trust the Lord with our heart to call and to praise the Lord with our mouth and all of this to the glory of God. Now, as we think about these blessings, we have to remember the context of Psalm 115. It is written to a people that had specific promises from God, covenants that they were clinging to and hoping to. God has made this promise and he will do it promises even as you think of the Deuteronomic Deuteronomic you get the idea of what I'm getting at that covenant 
Do this and I will bless you. Do this and I will curse you. Blessing for action. Blessing. Praise the Lord. We may not have some of those covenants, some of those promises. But even as we've seen in Ephesians, we are rich in Christ. We have so many promises of blessing. So brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord who has redeemed you. Praise the Lord who is sanctifying you. Praise the Lord who has called you to go and to make disciples and who has equipped you to go and to make disciples. Praise the Lord who has promised that he is coming again, who has promised that he is preparing a place for you, who has promised that he will take you to that place. Praise the Lord whose kingdom is coming. Praise the Lord for all the things that he has promised. Cling to those promises, those blessings. Wait in them. Trust in the Lord. For he alone is worthy of worship. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. With that in mind, we're going to 